thank you for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. Okay, I have chosen 1 Corinthians. How many of you have studied 1 Corinthians before? Has it been a while? Okay, I chose 1 Corinthians for a reason. <clears throat> if ever a church was divided, if ever there was division among a culture, it was at Corinth. There's some real serious problems that are going on in Corinth. And in order to, to understand what's going on, we, we need to kind of get an idea of the, um, the culture. And I'm just going to say to those who may be listening to this, we got live people here. Everybody say hi. There they are. They're live. We're not in a, a room by myself or anything like that. We are here with living people, and we're excited about that. Okay. Uh, in the very first chapter, let's, let's figure out a couple of things. Number one, Paul had been there during his second missionary journey. Okay. He had been there in his second missionary journey journey and he established this church uh, but Athens was very close and you have all of the philosophers that are among the people uh, when you look at Corinth it has like 400,000 people there and it's part of the Greek culture. Remember the old song, You have heard the Macedonian call today, send the light. Okay, anybody tell me what that's talking about? <laughs> we have people here. Uh, <laughs> Is that a gospel message? Yeah, to Macedonia or Greece. Yeah, what we know is Greece. And remember, he had a vision to cross over. He had spent in Asia Minor. He had spent his time in Asia Minor on his first missionary trip. Now he hears this call. What about us? Can, can we have the light? Now, across that little band of water, which is not much, but across is a whole different culture. It, it still has the Greek culture to it. It's a little different than the Roman culture. And so he's dealing with a lot of things. Let me get my clicker here a second. Uh, if, if you look, you will see Corinth. This is one of the worst maps <laughs> that I have ever seen. <laughs> because can you see my little red thing right there, Corinth is? Okay, this area right here is a lot thinner than that. Okay, on, on this one, it shows a big and fat. But right where Corinth was, and Corinth was a little more to the west, so even that doesn't have the quite, quite the right positioning. But because of this, and... If you look at the map that I had given you, uh, you can see that it's a very thin piece of land that connects the upper part of Greece with the lower part. And, and Athens, or, or I'm sorry, Corinth is right there on near the, the west, and there's even that little gulf on the east and then you'll see on the west, there is the Gulf of uh, Corinth. So that little map on our uh, PowerPoint 
doesn't give that justice. But this little part right here, whoops, right there, it should be a lot closer. And what they would do, the small ships did not want to travel around here. Because guess what? The currents and the wind came around there, and it could be very treacherous at times. So if you had a small ship, you could actually pull it across the, that little piece of land and go to the other side and continue on and actually be safer in doing that. So Corinth became a very important port city. It also became very important for the trade routes that went to the lower part of Greece. So it, it's, but in Athens, which is not that far, let me go in here a second. Athens is not that far. It shows it on our other map, but if you were to go to Athens, the big religion there is Athena. And Athena is, is someone that uh, was the goddess of love, that dealt with love. And uh, <clears throat> you will see that that influenced their culture. Um, what the author did not put, and you may want to put this in there, I was shocked that he didn't include this. I'm not trying to, to knock him, but the hill of Acropolis was the temple of Aphrodite. She was also the goddess of love. And at that temple is 1,000 priestesses. Now, because she's the god of love, and you want love, people would go to these priestesses, which are sacred prostitutes. And they would celebrate love. So Corinth became a very immoral city. Uh, there's a saying by the ancients, and the saying goes like this. It is not every man who can afford a journey to Corinth. Now, why they said that was because of the prostitution that was going on. Uh, it just became a place, and it became a place where Roman soldiers started going. Uh, Athena in in. Athens was the patron of Athens. Now, she's the goddess of wisdom and arts and crafts. Uh, it was believed that she had created the cosmos, the universe. So when Paul goes to Corinth, he's dealing with philosophers. He's dealing with these people pagan religions, which were the main religions. I mean, imagine a thousand prostitutes. And imagine the morale and the, uh, the whole morals of, of Corinth. So he establishes this congregation. Now, what's interesting, he stayed there 18 months. That is a long time. Because usually Paul would, would start a church, and then he'd move on. But Paul knew he had to really lay a foundation in this church because it's just going to be bombarded with all kinds of things that could divide the Christians morally. So he stays there. Now, it's kind of interesting. We don't have the very first letter that Paul had written. Uh, because in 1 Corinthians, he talks about the previous letter that I wrote to you. And so, we're missing some of the, 
the conversations that were going on, that was going on. Uh, <clears throat> but one of the main problems that, that was in this church, most of the people were Gentiles, which means they didn't have the teachings of the Jews and the background of how the world was made and all of this other stuff. Uh, the Jews were trained in moral living. The Gentiles were not. They were trained, the Jews were trained in how to worship God. But the Greeks came from a very immoral sexual background. To many of the Greeks there and the philosophers, the body was a problem. So you just allowed the body to do whatever you wanted the body to do. So you allowed the body to indulge in sexual sin. And they had a lot of false ideas about God and about religion. Uh, all they had known was the Greek philosophers and what they taught. So they're going to have more problems adapting to Christian lifestyles. Now, I have been <clears throat> reminded that in our society, we are having a generation that knows nothing about how the world was made. They're being taught that it's just happened and they're believing that philosophy or that way of thinking so we're going to have the same problem so we need to look and see how do you deal with that uh, they're really slow in maturing as Christians they really are because they're trying to take their pagan ideas that they're taught and blend it when, when I went to Haiti, I was shocked to find out that a particular church that was prominent in that region um, allowed them to do voodoo. In fact, if you were to go into the witch doctors, what they called the Holy of Holies, if you were to go in there, you would find photos of the saints and the Pope. Kind of an interesting blend. And that particular church allows that blend to happen, as long as they belong to the, the church. So... This is kind of thing that's going on in Corinth, and Paul has to deal with it. Uh, here's some of the problems that, that was happening in this church. Because of the looseness of their sexual conduct, it was happening in the church. Uh, <clears throat> they didn't know how to worship God in an orderly fashion. Uh, they, it's, you'll find it interesting, in the pagan religions, they believed in spiritual gifts. Did you know that? Did anybody know that? Or, yeah, they, they believed in spiritual gifts. But their spiritual gifts were given to, to them to benefit them, not others. And so you get this confusion that happens in Corinth about spiritual gifts. And then, because they have been raised in all of these philosophies, they would say, well, I'm a follower of the philosophy of, and they would name that philosopher. They would name another philosopher. And then, no, oh, I follow the philosophy of so-and-so. Well, this came across as, well, you know Paul. I'm of, of Paul. And the other one says, no, I'm, I'm of Peter. 
No, I'm of Apollos. And they didn't have the idea of Christianity being one. That there's, they're not philosophers. They're just simply proclaiming the gospel message together. So you're, you're going to see these divisions start up in the church. And uh, so if we look at this, we see that the Jews were well-trained in their moral religious life. The Greeks, they're trained in philosophy. They'll talk about See, when Paul goes there, especially at Athens, and he's preaching in Athens, they want to talk about what he has to say. As Christians, we believe you live it, you experience it, and you have a relationship with God relationship with God God's up here you can't have a relationship with him well Jesus Christ the son of God came to earth as a man in the body I don't think so and and that's their feelings and so Christianity is at risk of completely dividing up into a philosophy and you know, some people, I mean, don't they view Christianity as a philosophy? Have you ever met anyone that has thought that way? I have. When we met our Jewish guide, he said, all you people talk about is heaven. I want a religion that I can live. And he viewed Christianity as a philosophy. So, we got to be careful of that, don't we, as, as Christians? Uh, let's start. Let's start in verse 10 for a minute. Paul gives his introduction to everyone. In verse 10, he starts getting into the, the text here. He says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree... And that there be no divisions among you, but you uh, be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Have you ever heard uh, a one-way conversation on the phone? I I love that ad, that State Farm. And they've showed it a lot. Who are you talking to? Well, I'm talking to State Farm. I'm I'm talking... I think it's State Farm, isn't it? And, oh, yeah, at this time of night, and she grabs the phone. Okay, State Farm, what are you wearing? And he says, khakis? You know, she's hearing one side of the conversation. That happens to us with these letters. We're hearing the answer. And so we have to think, what's the problem? And uh, so we have to deal with that right now. Right now... We can tell that there's these divisions going on, according to this scripture. And when you continue to read, uh, you learn that the Greek culture dealt with divisions all the time. They were a divisive people. You know, I, my mom, before she passed away last year, and she was able to talk, she says, never in my life, Mark, have I seen the divisions in this country that I'm seeing right now? People are arguing and being divisive and being polarized, and it's tearing us apart. The Greek culture was used to that. <laughs> My mom wasn't, and I'm not. And we, Paul says, we got to do something about that. And so he's going to give us some answers. You've got to remember that uh, in those days, there were trained speakers. Okay? They were orators. We used to have orators in uh, the Senate. Senator Dirksen was an orator. And I loved to hear him talk. Uh, he would... And 
even if you look at the um, speeches of, of Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address, it's short, but it's, it was done in an orator fashion. Um, and I love to, to see that at times. But Christianity is in danger of becoming a philosophy to be debated. To be debated. <laughs> it is. And that's what's going on in Corinth. Now, whoever was the best debater won. Was anyone on a debate team? Anyone? Okay, you were on a debate team. Yeah. Who usually won? It wasn't necessarily the right position, was it? But it was how you presented that. I remember my mom wanted me to be on the debate team. She was on the debate team. She should have been an English teacher. But boy, I've murdered that. Um, she wanted me to, I took speech because she wanted me to. I didn't want to. I said, I'll never speak in front of people. No. She wanted me on the debate. And to this day, I don't like debates. I really don't. I don't like the... I call it arguing, but debates have changed from what they used to be. They used to be really civil. <laughs> now they have turned into shouting matches. And, but he, he, he was saying that the better debaters became almost like the gladiators. And so they were followed by people. Now, how many of you have ever follow, uh, followed Ravi uh, Zachariah? Zacharias? Zachariah. You know, he just passed away. How sad. Uh, I, I loved to follow him. Uh, but he was not my religion. <laughs> and here's where we find the difference. So, uh, the bigger they were, the better followers they had. And uh, so let's, let's take a look here a little bit. There's trained orators, there's debaters, uh, were a social phenomena of the times. I mean, it was big in that Greek culture. By relying on the power of persuasion and debate to convince men to believe, they took away the power of the cross of Christ to draw men to faith. People, we've got to realize that it is the power of Jesus Christ. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's not the debater. It's not even the teacher or the preacher. It's none of that. It's the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And what he did. And, and so Christianity is in danger of losing that in Corinth. Uh, the message itself is foolish. That's what Paul says. Let's take our Bibles here a second. I'm going to do some reading here and... and uh, <clears throat> Uh, verse 11, and we'll, we'll get some of these in the slides too, but he says, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people. That's, that's a person that, that uh, was, had connections there in Corinth, or was there, that there are quarrels among you. Now, I mean this, that, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul. Do you see that connection? And I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. You know, Paul makes an argument here that he is but a messenger of the power of Jesus Christ. Simon the sorcerer made that boo-boo when he thought he could buy the power of laying on of hands, and he could sell it to people. 
Christianity is not about that. He says, has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, I was baptized by. And usually my response is, I was baptized by Jesus Christ. I was baptized into his name. And I've had people come to me and say, well, this preacher that baptized me found out that he was a scoundrel. Do I need to be rebaptized? You know, and, and I have said, I was baptized into Jesus Christ. I was not baptized into the name of the person that baptized me. Jesus baptized me. And, and Paul is making this argument. What's this about? The person or Jesus? And in verse 14 he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, that no man should say you were baptized in my name. Paul usually allowed the baptism to be done locally, okay, with local people. Because Paul's wise enough to know that people are going to say, I was baptized by an apostle. And he, he does not want that to happen. He wants them to know that they're baptized into Jesus. So he says, now I did baptize also the household uh, Stephanus, by the way, he forgot. And beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. He's not making uh, little of baptism here. We got to understand that he's, he's addressing the fact of who baptizes. So he says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not in cleverness of speech. Ooh, that hit a nerve. The debaters were really clever with their word choices. That the cross of Christ should not be made void. The power is not found in Paul. The power is found in what Christ did on the cross, his precious blood. I think sometimes people, we get a little confused on that issue. And we, I have mentioned, and it's been in some of my podcasts, when I was at camp, I would ask the kids, if Jesus, if you die and you come to the gates of, of heaven and someone asks you, why should I be let in, what would you say? And some of those kids said, I was baptized. I'm going, well, that's good. But what were you baptized into? Jesus. I said, would you say that? Jesus. He is the golden oracle. He is our salvation. Now, he may do that through baptism, but he is what it's all about, the cross of Jesus Christ. So, he says, he goes on in verse 18, for the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But to us, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let, let's say, oh, yeah, Jesus was a criminal, wasn't he? He was crucified as a criminal. Must mean he was a criminal. And you want to lift up the cross for a criminal? And the Greeks are saying, how could dying on the cross save you from sins? They're forgetting the connection. They don't have the Jewish background. They don't have any of that to draw from and the animal sacrifices. They're mixing it up. Listen to what he says in verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Ouch! That hurts because the Greeks are all about wisdom. Remember Aphrodite's? 
uh, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Ouch. See, when we read this, we have to understand how hard Paul is stepping on some toes. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. It is through the message that you believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. Oh yeah, that temple up there, whoops, that temple up on the hill, where you think wisdom comes from, that's not it. He says, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block, to the Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. It doesn't come from that temple up there, of that pagan temple. It doesn't come from Aphrodite. It comes from God. That's where wisdom comes from. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Okay, let's stop there for a little bit, and I want to catch up with some, some of this. It, it's what we read, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, to those Jews that don't understand the gospel message, that haven't accepted Christ, that's foolishness. I remember a person coming into my room and saying, that's really stupid. When I told them the gospel message, I said, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten you so that you can have understanding on how wise it is. Uh, he says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater? I mean, all of this is dealing with Greek culture. Uh, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. Isn't that true? Didn't God keep sending messengers like prophets or the um, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and prophets and, and kings and priests and didn't he come to, and tell us more about him? For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek for wisdom. Remember the Pharisees? Give us a sign that you are the Son of God. That's all they wanted were miracles and signs. And then when he did it, they didn't believe him. So, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Now, I, we need to understand this. Faith before insight. And I, and I noticed that when I was talking to this person, I said, well, could you have faith in that? I don't know. Well, before you're going to have great insight, you're going have, to have to have faith. You're going to have to have some trust here. To step out. Belief precedes understanding. When, when you, how old were everyone when you accepted Christ? Can, can we just kind of go around and... Do you know how old you were? Um, I was seven. Seven? Twelve? Twelve? Um, it's kind of hard to think of, isn't it? Because I always, always went to Sunday school. Yeah. Twelve? Yeah. Well, it's a journey, isn't it? It is a journey. And some people have, at this moment I believe, some people have, well, it was a journey for me. 
Yeah. Tom? Uh, how old were you when, when you finally accepted Christ? Nineteen. Nineteen? Laura? Probably fourteen. Fourteen? Twenty. Twenty? Ten. Ten. For me, I was ten years old. Uh, I, I accepted Christ when I was ten years old. Do you know much more than what you did then? About Jesus. It started simple. You didn't understand everything. And you know you don't have to understand everything. But have that little faith. And as you hold on to your faith. Understanding comes doesn't it? Obedience then happens and it rewards your faith. And you can build on it. But if you're not obedient. See Paul knows this. And he's got to get them to that point. They're not mature enough yet. So. If there's three reasons why God's way seems foolish. That one was the message itself is foolish. You stop and think what? Someone died? For me? How, how did he die for me? How did I ever get that connection that he died for me? How is that? Did, did, I mean, is everybody saved? Where is the part, the link? Faith, right? Faith. That first part where then we obey, we follow Christ, so, the message, messengers were foolish. I mean, Paul says, I didn't come with clever speech, did I? Did, did uh, Moses come with clever speech? Have you noticed how, how God many times uses people that, that don't have clever speech. I don't know how many times I've had people come up to me and say, Mark, uh, I, I need you to talk to my brother. And I've said, why don't you? Well, you know so much. I said, it's not about knowing. It's about trusting and obeying. And I remember I said that to a lady that... Uh, her husband or her brother was in uh, the hospital. And I came there, and she's jumping up and down. She says, he believes, and when he gets out of here, he wants to be baptized. And I said, that is great. He and I wrote a song called, I'll Walk Across Heaven With You. Um, but she did it. She didn't need me for that. It's not about the messenger and the cleverness. So, Paul points that out all through 26, verses 26 through uh, 29. Uh, he says, and we read that, so I'm not going to read that again, okay? But you see those verses that, that uh, God has chosen the foolish things of the world. And sometimes... Those who look foolish to the world, he has chosen. I mean, stop and think about it. Paul, of all the people, Paul, the strict Pharisee who was persecuting Christians, isn't it ironic that God chooses him to be an apostle? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because it's all about his power to transform his power. And it's all done, and it all starts with that faith part. Now, the world changers, they try to use these things. They try to use power, intelligence, and sometimes religion. You say, how's that? Well, 
Let's stop and think about Hitler for a minute. Did, did Hitler use religion? Yeah. In fact, there was, it was a state religion. And if you didn't comply to the Nazi party, you were an outcast. He knew that he could use religion to influence the people. And in fact, you had to fly a Nazi flag or have it in your building. Uh, intelligence. Yeah, they'll get the best person forward, the most intelligent person forward. Or power, I'll force you. The messengers, though that God used, were foolish. And the result that happened was very powerful. Why? Because it's nothing they did, it's what God did. You mean to tell me that God would use Peter, the one who had denied the Lord to preach the first sermon? Yep. Well, I wouldn't have chosen him. He's just a, a fisherman. God uses that many times. Three reasons why God's way seems foolish. Uh, the message itself is foolishness. The messengers, the method was foolish. I mean, going around, just telling people. I mean, and even the cross, a symbol of a criminal. What? I mean, couldn't God have done it a different way? Uh, verse 30 says, But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Now we're going to see Paul we're going to see him turn everything around to say it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. All of your divisions, you're missing Jesus. He is the unifying factor. One of my favorite songs by Andre Crouch, and he was my favorite. I followed him for years and years and years and years, up to the time he died a couple of years ago, was Jesus is the answer for all the world today. Above him there is no other, for Jesus is the way. Um, Paul is trying to get them to focus off of their silliness and to focus on Jesus. The one who saves them. The golden nugget. The only one that is important. So, live long and prosper. How do you do that? Yeah. Or have fun, playboy. You know, you may look at that. We have different philosophies in our life, don't we? Uh, Kenny did a good job uh, Sunday talking about uh, the summertime blues, how to be happy, because we're not happy the way we are. And people are going to turn to things that make them happy. And that's happened in this pandemic with drinking. Alcohol is essential, but church isn't. Wow. But that's how the world views things, isn't it? So... The method doesn't appeal to man's reasons or feelings. The power of preaching? We give up preaching and we have an empty gospel. 
we end up with a philosophy, not transforming power. That's right. The book is not a history book. It is the word, the living word that transforms. It is Jesus who became flesh. So, and who inspired Paul to write this? The Holy Spirit? God's Spirit? The Spirit of Jesus? So, what we need to be saved is given freely to us because of our association with Christ through faith. It's not a philosophy, it's a relationship. Jesus is a relationship. A relationship. Our message, uh, we are foolish because our message requires belief in what is unseen. Isn't that faith? Belief in what is unseen? Yeah, that's, that's what our message called. Uh, we are foolish because our messengers, messengers are without influence, power, or prestige. A fisherman? Fisherman? Tax collector? Uh, boy, that's kind of a lowly position. And God uses that because it's not in the messenger. Our method requires total dependence on one another. We need each other, don't we? That's been the hardest thing about this pandemic. Man, we just racked our brains. How can we love each other and be separated? That, that is the frustrating thing of all of this. And for those who believe the unseen becomes real, the method removes fear. The hearers become messengers. You have now heard the message. Now you go talk it. You go spread it. There's no clergy here. Okay? It's up to the hearers to spread the gospel. And it's for everyone. Everyone can spread it. One of the worst things that has happened to churches is the, this idea that the preachers are somewhere here and it's up to them to tell the good news and not me. And that's, boy, Paul would, he would have had a cow at that. I got this badge <laughs> from, from the hospital and it says clergy. And I said, can you change that? Well, why do you want it changed? What do you want it changed to? I said, brother. He says, that's too big. I said, okay, bro. Bro Mark Black, okay? <laughs> and he just looked at me. He says, it's going to be clergy, okay? I said, I don't like that. <laughs> but you can call me bro, okay? So, here's a question. Are you foolish? I hope so. I'll be foolish. Yeah. And that's that first chapter. But see, we have to understand all of this stuff to understand what, why Paul is talking the way he is. But doesn't that apply to us today in our culture? Yeah, I think so. Any questions, comments? Everybody's quiet. This is a live recording. <laughs> That's okay. It's exciting.
isn't the Christian faith exciting? Man, we forget that. It's not a philosophy. And you know, when, when they teach it in school, uh, by that I mean universities that will have religion courses, they'll teach it as a philosophy almost. But make sure your relationship with Jesus is tight. Yeah, humanity. Yeah, I remember when Amy took a religion course and she started telling me what they were teaching and I'm going, hmm, oh no, 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 no. I said, okay, learn your material. Don't believe your material. (laughs) Learn your material so that you can present it, but understand where the flaws are. Okay. Thank you all. I went over. If you want to sit and talk, you're welcome to do that. Uh, it's just kind of good to, to be together, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.